you know, being here is a, is a big deal. As, as Brother was saying, you know, Kelly and I have been married going on um, 32 years in December, and all of our married life and ministry has been here in St. Louis. Um, we came here in our, you know, really early, tw- well, she wasn't even 20 yet, I don't think. I kind of robbed the cradle. She was 19 going to school here in St. Louis, and I was working for a healthcare company, and God called us here. And, and in the midst of following the Lord and following Jesus through all of that, our, our ministry has been church planting and has been prayer. And, you know, for Josh and for Cherish and for, for you guys, one of the things I love in, in being here tonight is hearing this person is from South Carolina, this person is from Louisville, this person, you know, they, you've come from different places. Some of you are here in St. Louis, and God's matched you up with this family and with this team for this incredible work. Um, we, we prayed for you. Uh, that is not cliche. That's not just a saying. We prayed for this church. We prayed for this church to come to be sent to St. Louis. Storyline being here is, is a big deal for us. It's a big deal for our family of churches. It's a big deal for St. Louis. Um, it's incredibly encouraging when I, I hear about Storyline and Josh and, and guys, you know, going over to Melanfi to Kelly's school over there in the Shaw neighborhood and bringing those supplies. It's, it's like, it's what the church is supposed to be, right? Being together. Friday night, um, Kelly and I were at dinner and she was telling me about a, um, a Zoom call earlier in the afternoon, well, actually near the end of the day with um, a pastor from One Family Church and a pastor from Tower Grove Church and one of the pastors of the Journey Church. And and it was just, I'm like, man, I know that those guys are family. This is, our, this is what we get to, you know, be a part of. So Storyline is a big deal because you're here at the church. Storyline is also a big deal because I know of your commitment and your heart for making disciples and leadership development. It's not, it is about Storyline. It is about this church, but it's also what God has in store for the future, who God is raising up, who God is calling. This is a great place for people who, um, believe that God has given them gifts and a, and a call on their life to serve, to be a part of ministry somewhere in the world, because I know it's in Josh and Church's heart and the leader's heart to see people um, raised up and sent. That makes it a big deal as well. It's, it's also a big deal about Storyline, um, because here in this place, what we have is another layer and another shadow of the kingdom of God on earth. Um, and brother, you did an awesome job leading worship tonight, and I loved the song selection. I love the prayer of, of lament. I love how you introduced that prayer um, so appropriately for the season and the time that we're in, that we are, as we are part of the kingdom of God in all of its beauty and glory at the same time, the kingdom is here uh, now in a, in a fallen and broken world, an environment all around us with a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And so um, normally, if, I'm, if I was pastoring and I would be doing expositional teaching through a book, um, we would be like, okay, last week we ended at verse 5, we're going to pick up at verse 6 and do some more. But there is a particular topic, and we've already been kind of talking about it tonight, there is a particular topic that I just desire to share with you. We've sung, we've prayed of it uh, tonight so beautifully. Um, it is Christ's kingdom here on earth um, Christ coming here, but now, but yet it is coming. Um, I know that as y'all have done the work of Storyline and you've met in some different places, in planting this church, you have, you've already experienced what it is to be planting a church in the midst of a fallen world all around you. 
You've already experienced darkness. You've already experienced opposition. You've already experienced challenge. And uh, the good news is there's more of that ahead, right? There's, there's more to come. But um, there, there are things that would cause anyone to worry. But you're not just anyone. All of you. You're not just anyone. You are the called and sent ones of God. And Jesus has instruction to us about being called and sent ones as a part of the kingdom in the midst of a fallen and hurting world around us. The big idea that I want to share with you in these next few minutes tonight is that wherever God has you in this world, in whatever domain of society that you function in, whatever your career, whatever your work, whatever your campus, whatever your neighborhood, God's plan is for you to, God's plan is to so fill you with himself. God's plan is so, to so fill you with himself, his spirit, and his son for you to help usher and bring the kingdom of God to your place on earth. So we're going to read a couple of verses together. I'm going to just have you stand. These, these verses are going to be on the screens. We're going to read um, from 1 Chronicles 29, and then we're going to read from Matthew 6, actually in the New Living Translation. We're going to read these couple of verses, then we'll pray, and then we'll get into it. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty. For everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Then Jesus in Matthew 6 said, Don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. This is the word of the Lord. This is God's word for us tonight. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the freedom that we experience, Lord, to gather here on a Sunday afternoon and to sing and worship in Jesus. We remember tonight, God, those throughout the world who share our faith, but they do not share our freedom. We remember those, God, that are facing real persecution, God, because of their faith and because of their testimony. We pray, Lord, blessing upon this, this church and uh, all the parts of the church family that are traveling this weekend are out, God, and we just remember them and just pray now, Spirit, be our teacher. As we open up these words, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So he says, don't, don't worry about these things. It's easy for us to give in to worry because we, we live in this broken and fallen world. When Kelly got the uh, message of, you know, the, the shooting and the lockdown, man, that's, that's worry. Um, when you find out, you know, your church needs, you got to pack up, you know, the church I planted where we planted years ago, I think we met in six different locations. We met in a hotel, we met in two different schools, we met in a Presbyterian church up on Virginia and South City, we met... I mean, we just moved around. You know, it, there's just so many things that can cause us in doing the work of the church that can cause us to worry or to, to stress. Or, but Jesus has instructions for us in that. You know, Sunday afternoons uh, is, you know, like I preached twice this morning at one church. And so you know what, I, what you do on Sunday afternoons, right? You come home, you have lunch, 
and then you watch football and go to sleep. And that's what I did. Again, that was my, my ritual and my routine. But, you know, in football, the guy has to, you know, the receiver or, you know, the defensive back or whoever's, you know, trying to catch the ball has to look it all the way in, you know, keeping our eye on it. And I think that's the thing for the, the church when we're talking about planting a church and doing the work. Jesus is saying, is keep, what he's saying here is keep your eye on the kingdom because there's so much junk in the world. There's so much junk that even comes in and around the church. You know, I mean, there's so much disappointment. There's so much brokenness. There's so much frailty, you know, even within the body that it's easy for us to fall into worry. It's easy for us to get our eyes off on other things. But the message here tonight is stay on the kingdom. You know, keep your eye on the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. There's a lot of different kinds of things that we could worry about, that we could be consumed about. Jesus was talking here about, you know, what we eat or drink or wear. We may not worry about what, what, if we're going to have food. We not, may not worry if we're going to have drink or what to wear. But there's a lot of things that we can worry about. So the instruction is still the same. Be a kingdom person. Be a, be a man, be a woman who our eyes are not, upon, not on other people or other situations, but our eyes are upon what does it mean for us to seek the kingdom of God. Everybody likes to feel a part of something. You know, I, I think we see that. Everybody likes to feel a part of a place to belong. Everybody likes to feel a part of something that has a sense of connectedness, right, and community and relationships, you know, a purpose. Everybody likes to be a part of something like that. It could, it could be family. Um, it could be some kind of a group or club or fraternity or some organization. You know, it could be, a, um, you know, it's the Cardinals fans, right? Or it's the Blues fans. You like, they, like you, they have a sense of belonging. The Bible, when the Bible talks about the early days of the church and of its people, it says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together. Man, that sounds cool, doesn't it? It's like, it's like, I want to be a part of something like that. People were unified. They were diverse, but they were unified. And they had things and they, they gave of themselves. They were generous with each other to help others who had need. And it said they, they met together regularly, met together often. It was neat. They were tight. They were together in every sense. But my question to you is, is why? I mean, we know that newness eventually wears out. Newness wears off. New things are exciting. It wasn't just that the church was new. What was it that held this group of people together? And they were evidently diverse. A guy named Larry Hurtado is a professor emeritus at the University of Edinburgh, and he speaks of this in his book, Destroyer of the Gods, early Christian distinctives in the Roman world. He says that the early church was multiracial and that it crossed incredible boundaries. So my question then is, with all of this diversity and all of the opposition, what was it that caused them to have such unity, such like-mindedness, at least for a time anyway? What was it that caused them to be generous? What was it that made them want to be together um, the way that they did? Well, of course, the Sunday school answer is, well, you, oh, Jesus, right? That's the Sunday school answer we always say. And yeah, they were certainly looking back at Jesus and what he had done in his life, and they were hearing of him, they were learning of him. 
But church family, listen, it wasn't just looking back at all that Jesus had done and who he was. It was also about looking forward. That's what we do as the body. When we gather together, we sing beautiful songs, we, worship song, we, we sing worship songs, we read texture, uh, text together, we pray together, and we do look back. But as the people, as we, are a, we are a momentum people. We're a people that are moving forward with this purpose, with this thing that God has called us to, this thing of the kingdom. That is what brought the church together the way it was. That was the impetus, that was the momentum, this thing about that they were a part of something far greater than anything of themselves. It was the kingdom of God, Christ's kingdom. You know, Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that after his resurrection, Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days, and in these last days, he would be speaking with them. Acts chapter 1 verse 3, it's there on the screen, he was speaking with them um, concerning the kingdom of God. After his resurrection, as he's going to be returning to be with the Father in heaven, he's spending time with his people, his leaders, his followers. And what was he talking to them about? Well, the Bible says he was speaking to them concerning the kingdom of God. That's what it was about, the kingdom of God. And here we are 2,000 years later and nothing has changed. There are times when I have to remind myself in the challenge of, you know, whatever it is I'm doing or, you know, whatever meeting I've got or whatever situation I'm dealing with in my job, whatever speaking assignment, whatever the situation might be, that I have to fall back and I have to rest that, and remember that God has simply called me to seek the kingdom, that it's not about me. It's certainly not about, you know, an organization that I work for. It's not about the name of any one particular church. We are kingdom people. We seek the kingdom of God. And you know, when, you, when we're seeking the kingdom of God, and it's about the kingdom, he takes weight off of us. There is, a, there is a weight that comes off when I just rest in Jesus and make it about him and just seek the kingdom. Job 23, Psalm 46, the kingdoms of this earth will rise and fall. They come and go. But there is a kingdom that is both present and future that will reign into eternity, infinity, and it is the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, this is who we are. It's what we are part of. It's what we seek. And again, the big idea for tonight that I'm just laying at before you is, is that wherever it is that you, God has placed you, whatever the work, whatever the domain of society, whatever the neighborhood, whatever the career, whatever campus you're on, God's plan is to so fill you with himself, with his son, and with his Holy Spirit that he uses you to help bring a little flavor, a little slice of the kingdom of God to your place on earth. In Acts 26, near the end of Paul's life and work, it hadn't been easy, by the way. He's nearing the end of it all. He's faced, you know, imprisonment. He's faced jail, shipwreck, abandonment, right? All of these different things. It's a reminder that following Jesus isn't easy. Doing the work of the kingdom isn't easy. It's knowing that it's not a matter of if, but when we experience difficulty and when we experience spiritual opposition and when we experience people walking out on us and when we experience our own performance failures, 
And we're gonna, we, we regularly fall, fail in our performance, in our work, in our good work. We fail. But when we experience all of these things, we count ourselves like Paul. It's not, it's not easy. It's not any easy for any person. It's not easy for any church. But here is Paul standing before King Agrippa, this ruler among the Roman Empire, this king over the region around the Sea of Galilee, including Jerusalem. And there before the king, he is telling his story about why he does what he does. And he tells Agrippa about how not long ago, actually, he used to be a persecutor of the church, how he was out to stop the, uh, the flow of the church, the movement of the church. But then, you, if you know, the, you know the story, he talks about one particular day. He says, when I'm on my way, Paul, Paul's saying to this town called Damascus, and this bright, brilliant light comes down, and it was so bright I couldn't see anything. And he tells a story about how God broke him in that. And how God rescued him in that, and how God changed him, and how God gave him purpose. Paul went from living from only for this life and for things on earth to now living for eternity. He went from living for a, for a Roman empire, for a, kingdom, earth that, for a kingdom that is going to be eternal, it's going to last into all of eternity. God changed his name, you know the story from Saul to Paul, and not just that, but God gave him a whole new purpose in life. Being a part of Storyline Church, being a part of the New Testament church and the body of believers, being a, part, being a part of the local church that's seeking the kingdom of God on earth, man, that's purpose, and its purpose is powerful. It's a difference between existing and living. It's a difference between just going through the motions and going through life with real meaning and energy and Jesus says, Paul, I've come to give you purpose. That's what he was saying, you know, when he blinded him there on that road to Damascus. He blinds him, you know, and he says, hey, it's me. I'm the one actually you're persecuting here, Saul. And then he goes on to explain to Saul about his new name and about his whole new purpose. And that's, that's, where, our, that's where our energy comes in. When your church brings those school supplies you know, to a, to a school like Melanfi, you know, or if some of you ever were to get involved in helping tutor or helping a kid learn how to read, or you go to the school to just read to children. I know Kelly loves that when people can just come and read to kids. It's such a big deal and a big part of their learning how to read themselves. All of these things are aspects of doing the work of the kingdom. Paul finishes telling Agrippa's story of meeting Jesus. And there in Acts 26, look at this up on the screens. He says, Jesus, uh, he tells, the, he, rec he recalls what Jesus said to him. I am now sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, I am sending you out, Saul. This was kingdom work. It was an appointment to teach and preach and witness and tell of God's great gift of God's story, storyline, right? God's story, this great gift of sacrifice and love, the gift of his one and only son so that people and all persons, any kind of persons, could have their sins forgiven and have new life, a life without shame and worry, a life without fear and guilt, a life with a clean conscience, hope, peace, and direction. Not everyone's going to be called to pastor or to elder 
or to lead in whatever sense, but every Christian is called to be a part of this story, to be a part of seeking the kingdom, some aspect of what it means to seek the kingdom. So it's interesting to me that as Luke wraps up the book of Acts in this account, that there is this record of people teaching and sharing about and talking about the kingdom of God. This is what it was about. So storyline, we keep our eyes on being kingdom people. We keep our eyes on what it means to seek the kingdom of God in whatever aspect of society or domain of society that we're living in. But what is the kingdom? We say, seek the kingdom of God. What is it? Well, some theologians and scholars say it's so big, it's so all-encompassing, it's hard to define. Probably true, but I do like this simple definition that the kingdom of God is simply the reign and the rule of Jesus over all of creation. This is what we seek. You know, when, when, you, when you come into uh, your neighborhood and your street and you've got neighbors on your left and neighbors on your right that don't know Jesus yet, but you come in there with love and food and hospitality and a welcoming spirit, man, that's an aspect of the kingdom of God on earth. When there's love and there's peace there. When you go to, um, when you go to CVPA and you, you stand outside the school and you're, maybe you're offering counseling or you're, you're offering encouragement to teachers who are just so ready to quit, so ready to throw in the towel. I mean, it's, it's the kingdom of God on earth. It's, it's hope, it's love, it's truth, it's, it's God's presence. My, my buddy, I've got a buddy that restores classic cars for a living, and he was telling me about this one particular car he's been working on. It is a classic Ford Shelby Mustang, worth nearly a million dollars. One offer has already been out there for that much money for this car. It's crazy. Beautiful, but it doesn't compare to the restoration that Jesus is bringing when the kingdom comes in all of its fullness. And one day, he, Jesus is going to come again, and he's going to restore everything that's broken. He's going to heal all things that are sick. He's going to reign over all of the earth and creation in perfect love, and beauty, and glory. In one sense, the reign and rule of Jesus is here on earth. The church is here. Matthew chapter 26, Luke 10, 19 through 20, Jesus gives authority to the church, authority to join with God in bringing the kingdom. Again, our big idea for tonight is Wherever God has you in this world, in whatever domain of society you function in, God's plan is for you now to help bring the kingdom of God to your place on earth. This is what Jesus spent those last 40 days on earth talking to his disciples about all things concerning the kingdom of God. Look at uh, Colossians 1 verse 13. I think I gave the team this, this verse. It says, Colossians 1.13 says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his son. That's what God has done for us now. Not just future, but, but now. He has rescued us from darkness, brought us into the kingdom of his glorious son. Later in Acts chapter 8, or Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, the Bible says that P Philip preached good news concerning the kingdom of God. People talked about, they were talking about the kingdom. And then, of course, Paul in Acts 19 and 20 and Acts 28, he was preaching, teaching about the kingdom of God. The last two verses of Acts tells us that Paul remained two whole years in his own rented dwelling and welcomed all those coming in to see him proclaiming the kingdom of God. His last years, renting this house, people coming to him, and what was he talking about? The kingdom of God. 
of God. And so Jesus says to us tonight, for meaning and for purpose, and living a life not being overly controlled by worry and fear, be a kingdom-minded person. Don't live for earthly things. Don't live for earthly kingdoms that rise and fall or come and go, but we live our life for the eternal reward of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You know, one time Jesus, or the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. It's interesting that they don't ask, Lord, teach us how to teach or preach or evangelize or lead or any of that. Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, well, when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. What unified the church? What gave the church such a diverse group of people, such a common love and purpose? What caused them to be generous? It was this, it was the kingdom. It was seeking the kingdom on earth. It was praying, thy kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. A kingdom-minded people are a unified people in purpose. So this year, in your school, your place, when you share Jesus with someone and they experience new life in Christ, that is a slice, it's a picture, it's a shadow, it's a part of the kingdom of God coming on earth. When a, teacher, um, when a teacher takes the time to love a child that is so hard to love and experiences just a bit of breakthrough with that child, with that student, that is a glimpse of the kingdom of God coming on earth. When you take the time, when you're, you're, you're tired and you're worn out, but you take the time to help someone, help a neighbor with something that they've got to get done around the house or around their place, when you're generous or when you take the time to encourage your coworker, and you see them go from kind of a sense of despair to hope, from a place of just kind of sadness to faith in God, from purposelessness to purpose, that is a picture of the kingdom of God coming to earth. When you pray with someone, when you pray over someone who's sick, and they come back to you, and you hear that God heard that prayer, and in his sovereign fashion and time chose to remove that sickness and bring healing, well, that is a slice. It's a foreshadowing of the kingdom of God coming on the earth. So where do we leave this tonight? Number one, we would want to make sure everybody in this room, every individual that we would ask ourselves. Have I entered into the kingdom of God myself? Do, am I, do I have peace within my soul that I have been made right with God through Christ, that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have been born again, that I have been saved, that I've experienced new life in Christ? That's first. Second, I think, is that, day, you know, Paul said once, he said, you know, I die daily. We have to die to earthly kingdoms. We have to die to earthly platforms and earthly, um, you know, stages. Earthly kingdoms have to die. Third, we have to believe and have faith that this kingdom is here and it is coming. Be encouraged. 
Be encouraged in what you're doing. Be encouraged in the work of Storyline. Be encouraged in your, in your work and where you're at. Be encouraged that this kingdom, that you're a part of it, that it's here and that it's coming. I love it that when Jesus, um, after Jesus had knocked Saul to the ground and blinded him, you know what he said to him? He said, get up and stand on your feet. In other words, have faith and believe. There is a purpose, Saul, Paul, that I have for you. And then I think we just daily and regularly, we have to make time, make sure that we are spending time alone with God to remind ourselves of who is the king? What is his kingdom? What is my life about? Because there's so many loud voices out there, right? I mean, just whether it's social media or wherever it's at, I mean, there's just so many loud voices. But for us as the people of God, we have to take daily time to sit at the king's feet to remind us of who he is, who we are, and, what, and the people he's called us to be. Would you pray with me?